Hey everybody and welcome back to Criminality, the podcast we started because we know that loving reality TV isn't a crime and we want to talk about it. We want to share it together. And Melissa, I'm so happy to share it with you today. How are you? I'm good, Rebecca. How are you? Can we copy and paste that introduction every week? Because I just felt so hopeful and so happy. That was great. Good. I'm so glad that's what I'm giving because it's what I sometimes feel. And so (laughs) maybe (laughs) you just got me at just the right moment. Um, You know, we never know how that's going to come out, but I, but it is all true. So happy to be here with you doing this because I don't know, I miss you in between these sessions. I know we have so much fun. I always enjoy it. We always have our little gabs before that we have to like rein in because we actually do have to record. (laughs) This is true. You know what we haven't talked that much about actually only a little and not frankly enough in my opinion is the Love is Blind reunion. I want to call for the immediate and swift removal of the Lachey's as host of anything ever (laughs) publicly. I, I cannot with them. Rebecca, I feel like that's normally a Melissa hot take to go so hard on people and like literally take their bread and butter away from them and their ability to earn money. I feel like that's something more I would do. So I apologize. I feel like I'm rubbing off on you, but wholeheartedly agree. Get them out of here. I'm sorry. I don't know that I've ever felt this strongly about anything we've covered in two plus years on this (laughs) podcast. And it's really Vanessa. I'm sorry. Nick is fine. Take him or leave him. He doesn't move me in the same way that Melissa does, which is to say like, uh, I'm sorry, insane. Vanessa does. What did I Do say? Do not confuse me. You said Melissa. Oh. <laughs> sorry. Was that a um, Freudian, Freudian slip? slip? It yeah, wasn't. it was not. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what it is. It's like, I don't feel like I'm good at a lot. I really don't. Like I just muddle through not life true. being fine at a few th- enough things to make my life work. I think I'm good at interviewing people. You are. And when I s- see people do it so miserably. And I don't think I'm good at it. Like technically, like it's not like a perfected craft, like Terry Gross of Fresh Air or Barbara Walters, but it is like a style that I feel like I have, you know, some skill set in and I've gotten better at over time. Like, okay, it's four seasons. Like she should be getting better. And I feel literally like she's getting worse. Okay. So the thing that has always helped Vanessa, which I didn't even realize was editing. So imagine. (laughs) Yeah, this is so true. This is so true. So the whole Love is Blind thing was supposed to air on Sunday night, right? Yeah. What a disaster. Total disaster. In the words of the youth, fumbled that bag. They fumbled (laughs) that bag all over the place. And so then when they decided to show it the next day, which they still had a delay, they didn't edit it. They wanted us to feel what they felt, which was terrible. I felt terrible watching that. It wasn't. It wasn't interesting. What about the, hold on, this one clip, Tiffany and Brett, when it was like, you guys acted like, or Tiffany, Vanessa says, Tiffany, you were like ready to get all on uh, Brett and go back to the whatever room. We have a clip. That delivery was so upsetting. Not funny. Weird. So weird. And then to show her sleeping, it was just all, it was so contrived, such poor setup and poor delivery and terrible joke um just like asking about who's getting pregnant first like who's got a baby are you pregnant why does now she think that's okay it is wild because i feel like much like tom schwartz tom sandoval she needs some media training i'm like you're <sighs> not one of these people stop acting like she acts like she was in the pods and i'm like and no, that no, she's no, their Vanessa. friend yeah yeah she missed all the hard questions she missed all the the jackie moment the zoom the separate zoom i was like you should have just not met with her if you were gonna play this girlfriend like yeah so happy you're happy Mm -hmm. moment it was so off the mark um and i think nick actually noticed i think he sometimes looked at her with the side eye like what are you saying it was uncomfortable It was. Yeah. It just seemed like she didn't realize how people felt about Jackie or like we like Marshall. And so to be like, you guys found each other, you and Josh, that's why it didn't work out because you and Josh were always bent to be together. And you're like, what? No, she just so bizarre. She missed the mark all across of it. And her whole "Ah, count chocula thing she did. I was like, what? There were too many things like that, that just made me need to like hide. I was Irina hiding under a pillow watching like with just one (laughs) eye out. And 
I, my other hot take is that I am now all in on Bliss and Zach. I know. I think they found each other and are like, I think she's going to make him better. And I think they're both oddballs in the best way. Totally. Honestly, I wish them love and happiness. Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is my couple now. I never knew it, but they are my couple. So yeah, I, I, I really actually like them a lot. Yeah. But I really hope, oh, one other thing Vanessa said that I was like, yeah, ha or ha 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 ha, whatever she does, <laughs> is when she was like, after the first season, Netflix or whatever, had us out of it more and let it be about their experience. I'm like, okay, number one, not doing that now. Number two, did you not take that as a sign, right. Vanessa? Self-aware much? I know. I know. They're like, so silly. So embarrassing. Also real missed opportunity with Micah. I felt like she really didn't yeah. ask the right questions. And the Paul and Micah thing was so not from the right perspective. And she didn't include her in any of the Irina Mean Girl stuff, which she should yeah. have challenged her a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was weird. Micah took notes, though, it seems like from the first appearance in terms, I don't know. She got new lashes, at least. She did. She did. Yeah. So anyway, that was just an entire mess. Totally never needed to be live. That's everything I saw was like, no one asked for it to be live. Exactly. Saw Andy Cohen saying like, we have 10 hour interviews and we edit it because sometimes it takes a long time to get into those things. And that's so true. You don't even think about that. But like, it takes people a little bit to even warm up and share these things that happened a year ago. I always forget yes. how freaking far apart it is from when it happened. But man, no, it, it was, was a real weird oh. move to even attempt to do it live and then to not be able to deliver. I just, it's embarrassing. And I wonder how many people got fired. Truly my favorite thing was as we're waiting for it to load, <laughs> just waiting, waiting. It kept bringing the preview up where they're like, we're doing something we've never done before. We're doing it right. live. I know. Oh God. Well, and eventually they're just like panicking because people are rioting on Twitter. They're like, give them Cam and Lauren, give yeah. them Cam and Lauren, yeah. put season one on. So all of a sudden I'm watching season one, episode one. I'm like, no, 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 no. I did not clear my Sunday night. Didn't have plans for this. And I turned it off. Yeah. But then I kept checking and I did end up watching it that night at like midnight till one thirty in the morning in my bed on my phone. Oh, it's probably where a lot of this heat comes from. Yeah, because I watched it in such an altered state. But you know what? This is a great segue, actually, because we're going to talk about Netflix. and It's going to be a lot more positive. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Netflix can relax. Good. Because there this is how this is kind of what inspired my my show today. So let's let's get into it. There were a cluster of newer reality shows, Love is Blind included, that came out during the pandemic in what was just such a dark time. We had like those true crime documentaries, like the whole world basically watched Tiger King together. But then there were some other shows that came out that year and they really hold a special place in my heart. There was Love is Blind, of course, Selling Sunset, My Unorthodox Life, and Bling Empire. Is that crazy? That is. Hang on. Did the circle come out at the same time? Because the circle I think it feels did. very pandemic-ish. Okay. Yeah. The circle came out, I think it might have been 2019, but I think it could oh, okay. be 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm not positive. But I would I would group that in there. And as I was thinking about this, I realized Netflix probably should have been one of my three clues instead of hot sauce, but I really <laughs> thought it would become too much of a giveaway. So today we are talking about Bling Empire, the show that viewers and the cast themselves describe as the real life, crazy, rich Asians. Specifically, we're going to look at the life of one of the main characters, Kelly Mai Lai. Now, I have a feeling I'm not the only one whose ears perked up when we first met Kelly on the very first episode. Do you remember like the first part of her story and how she introduces herself and what we learn? I don't. No. mm -mm. Okay, good. Because I have a clip for you. Let's hear Kelly explain it in her own words. Go ahead and play that first In my 20s, I was married to a Chinese guy and we lived in a very privileged, outrageous lifestyle. You know, seven cars, four houses. I think at the time we're spending about like 400K a month on our black Amex. Until one day the government showed up and took everything from us and Max's husband was arrested and I didn't know at the time, but he was running one of the largest cyber scam in American history. All of our assets were frozen and we gave the government, I think it was like $168 million. Yeah, I didn't even know who I was sleeping next to. 
after losing everything, I became my entrepreneur. 好，那多长时间才可以做完整整个 production? I want to feel me again. I want to take my power back. And I only want to date for love now. I want to be with a guy who truly loves me for me and not have any other intentions. Dang, I, honest to goodness. Don't remember a second of that. <laughs> I absolutely. You could tell me that was not actually in there, and I would believe you. I don't remember that. Oh, that's so perfect because it's almost all I remember from watching the show. Because <laughs> I was just sort of like, "Tell me more about the ex-husband." Yeah. Because this is all happening in the scene where she's now dating this super good-looking actor、oh, yeah. guy,、mm-hmm. Andrew Gray, who was the Red Power Ranger. Ding, ding, ding. There's a clue,、yep. and we'll get to him in a minute. But this moment where she talks about this very major life event of you know the frozen assets and the arrest and her ex husband is like a blip, and then we move right past it because she's now in this relationship with Andrew, who's part of the show, and her ex obviously is not, so they're not going to spend time on it. I get、yeah. it, but it's almost like I've been waiting for a reason to go back and figure <laughs> this out. So I'm just so grateful for our podcast. So. The next concern, ominous feeling, red flag I got was when I learn just a few scenes later in that same episode more about Andrew and Kelly's relationship. We learn that he was the Red Power Ranger. He's an actor model, but a lot of people had very negative responses to their relationship. Do you remember that part of the first season? I very much remember that part. Yes. Yeah. Because he was on screen. That makes a lot more sense. That yeah, that you know. made a bigger impression than.、Um, Her ex-husband, who we don't meet, did. So take this scene. We're going to listen to one more clip, real quick, where he completely berates her for leaving him alone in a luxury hotel in Paris to sleep peacefully while she goes shopping with her friend Anna. Take a listen to the second clip. Does Andrew just text me and he's like so upset that we left him? We're sleeping. We don't even know we're leaving. Hi. I don't know what's going on with you. Your lack of effort drives me crazy. How is that lack of effort? Because you can easily say I'm not going to leave this hotel until I let Andrew know. Jet lag sucks. So when Anna asked me to go shopping with her, I thought I was doing Andrew a favor by letting him sleep, but I was wrong. I would never. Would you want me to do that to you? Yes or no? I don't like the things that yes you. Yes or no. I don't want to hear anything but yes or no. I wouldn't care. Yes or no. Keep it simple. You're overreacting right now. Okay. Bye. Is this stressful? Whoa, this this is very stressful. Whoa. Yeah, I remember it being bad. I don't know that I even realized it was that bad. Whoa! Really toxic.、Uh, her words, and we're going to move right into this next and last clip. This is the part that's very troubling because this is the apology scene. So we learn this is not the first time this has happened. This is a pattern, and she ends up having to comfort him for this exchange. Go ahead and listen to clip three. I don't feel like I did anything wrong. I honestly did not even think it will bother you at all, or you would even go there. And you got so mad. You were so upset. So I overreacted. I exploded like a volcano. Okay. I haven't figured out the exact best strategy to deal with Drew when he gets in these bad mood or episodes. Unfortunately, this is not the first time Drew's yelled at me or spoke to me this way. Can you tell me how you were feeling or what caused you to like? I just felt there was a huge lack of. Uh, honoring our relationship. And you're asleep. You're really tired. You were really grumpy this morning because you need to sleep. You didn't sleep last night. If I feel like it was a really big issue and I I sincerely did something wrong, I'm the first to apologize. I'm sorry. I overreacted and I'm sorry. I'm not happy with my actions. I'll be honest with you. I raised my voice at you and pushed you away. And we're both still learning. We have a lifetime to learn, and I want to learn with you. 
I stick it through with Andrew because I think his intention is really good. I feel like he has a good heart. There's a lot of times I want to give up. And I feel like Andrew only has me, so I don't want to abandon him. And um, I know he wants to change. He just doesn't know how to. But I think there's hope. Okay, she says that Andrew only has her, so she doesn't want to give up on him. I yeah. think there might be a reason for that. I think there's a reason, mm -hmm. not for everyone that's by themselves, but I think somebody like him, there's a reason he's not surrounded by his best friends and family because he's scary. That's a, that's a great point. And also it's like a tactic to make her feel guilty for wanting to leave him. Absolutely. Yeah. So honestly, when this episode started and I saw, you know, I saw the story of the ex-husband, then I see him, I'm like, wow, there's going to be two guys I thought for sure this was going to lead to something that would yeah. be episode worthy. Thankfully, they really do break it off. Oh, good. Later in the season, they're on and off, but finally they're entirely off. She actually breaks up with him in a counseling session with their therapist yeah. because she knows the cycle is is not going to get better. And he does that thing where he like doesn't let her break up with him. And he's like, I'm committed. I'm committed. And the therapist has to tell him like she has said she does not accept that. And he right. like can't accept that. It's crazy. But they Ooh. do break up and... Thankfully, nothing worse happens, and he's not really part of the rest of this episode. But I felt like it just was important to mention because yeah. there was such a strong viewer reaction to him. But let's do a quick refresher. Um, it's been a few minutes since Bling Empire yeah. aired season one, and some people may not have watched it. So I want to tell you about this cast of mostly real-life friends, friends in the reality right. terminology, right? Like loose, but they definitely all run in the same circle in L.A., so most of the cast are from very wealthy families, but there's a few self-made individuals in the group as well. So Kevin serves as kind of the narrator protagonist. He's an actor and he was not born in a wealthy family. He's from Philadelphia, adopted by white parents, and he became friends with Kane, who's one of the other guys on the show. And Kane really brought him into his circle because okay. Kevin is not from this world. Right. I think we did. Kevin has mutual. abs for days. Yes, I yeah, remember I, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, we we like how Kevin looked. We would like for him to be quieter. And yes. just Did you see like the light in my him. eyes when that? <laughs> yes, when you remembered that was <laughs> it was amazing. He is very good looking. Yes. Um, and again, we viewer, objectified you know, him far too much we in did. the beginning. We did. So go back and listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's Kevin. And then there's Kane. Kane is from an oil shipping real estate family of Southeast Asia. His family are billionaires and he endeared me to him very quickly. Mm -hmm. There's a scene where he's giving um, clothes to Kevin to wear because he thinks Kevin dresses badly. And I actually disagree, but neither here nor there. But uh, Kevin says, do you have something bigger? This doesn't fit. Weren't you, didn't you used to be fatter? Give me something from when you were chubby. And Kane says, it's when I was prosperous. And he said, that's when he <laughs> refers to a time when you were chubby. Cause it's like Buddha Lake, which I thought was so cute. Um, now while Kane mm. does come from a billionaire family, he actually made his first 2 million himself as a teenager selling stocks. I, to this day, Rebecca don't understand stocks and like, you can tell me that all day long, and I'm like, okay, Same. cool. I hesitate to admit this, but I'm going to. My son also started selling stocks during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, he was probably 16 at the time. He has not made $2 million. Oh, maybe he has. Maybe Honestly, he has an offshore account. Your kid's I smart. should probably <laughs> check before we, like, apply for financial aid. But there is there are just some kids who are like this yeah. right they're they're entrepreneurial and it is exciting and terrifying and you'll see why i'm going to have him listen to this episode Got once it, it comes out it's a cautionary tale also worth noting kane is a brand ambassador for fenty then we have christine chu her and her husband dr chu uh he's a surgeon they're kind of the power couple of the group they're a little bit older and they're just like mom and dad of right. the group, right? She's a philanthropist. She rents out or takes over. I don't know how she manages to do this. Rodeo Drive for their oh, Chinese sure. New Year party. Right. Like that's an easy thing mm -hmm. to do. That's a big part of season one is this unbelievable Chinese New Year party they throw yeah. on Rodeo Drive. It is stunning. And the way this is filmed, very um, selling sunset, just mm -hmm. gorgeous cinematography. 
Dr. Chu, her husband, is a 24th generation descendant of the Song Dynasty, which means if the dynasties were still active, that her husband's father, so Dr. Chu's dad, would be an emperor, Whoa, just like a king. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that their little kid, baby G, they call, mm-hmm. would be an actual prince, which they basically treat him like he oh, is. Yeah. But he would be a literal prince if this was still more than just a formality. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And then we have Kelly, who I've introduced already. She's going to be who we're talking about today. She introduces herself as an entrepreneur and a producer, which we will get to later in the episode. Uh, Anna Shea is the woman she's talking to in that clip where they're shopping mm-hmm. in Paris. Anna is half Japanese, half Russian. Her family's money comes from weapons and defense technology, and they are worth billions. Kane also says... Definitely someone you want in your friendship circle, not out of. Yeah. She's pretty eccentric, I would say. She is. Eccentric. I just don't know. She is just like a true billionaire where you're like, you play by your own rules. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great way to describe it. Yes. She's quoted in the intro as saying, you have to live for yourself. Then we have Kim Lee, who is super fun. She's a DJ and a model, and she's actually made her own money and her net worth from modeling and DJing. So... Hats off to her. Mm -hmm. Um, They're also all influencers. Like they all get paid to do posts. They're stunning. They do cool things for brands. And Kim is part of that as well. Speaking of influencing, Jamie is the youngest of the group. She's so odd. Uh, She's this trust fund influencer socialite. Yes. 25, baby of the group. Do you know who I mean? Yeah, it's like (laughs) Aubrey Plaza almost. She gives me... uh, Yeah, uh, very like cynical kind of like you can't really read what she's thinking nothing really makes her happy yeah I yes Mm -hmm. she's wearing purple in the picture behind me with the high pony and she's smiling which is rare it's the only time I've ever seen her smile Mm -hmm. exactly she grew up in Silicon Valley her dad is like a tech mogul she grew up horseback riding competitively with the likes of Eve Jobs just for reference like that's her world yeah Uh Mm mm-hmm So then there's sweet Cherie. Um, She is an heir to a denim fortune and she has a little girl named Jador and she ends up having another little baby on the Mm -hmm. show. I think his name is Jovi or Jovi, Giovanni. I don't know. Um, She was about to be a pop star in Japan. She had a recording contract and everything, but she decided it wouldn't be easy to do with her little daughter at the time who was like a toddler and she gave it all up to be a mom. So that's Cherie. So that's just to set a little scene of these, these characters and the show. But let's go back to Kelly and find out exactly who her husband was, what he did. And was it really as bad as she said, or was that for like the show's drama? Yeah. Spoiler alert. No, it turns out he committed one of the largest cyber scams in American history. Wow. I thought we'd covered those, but no, apparently I know. it's him. <laughs> So her husband's name was Lynn Miao, and they met in 2009. They were both in their early 20s at the time, but Lynn had already achieved a ton of success. He was one of those kids, like we mentioned before, that was doing things like selling stocks in high school, except in his case, he was cloning IBM computers through salvaged parts he found randomly and selling them to his neighbors. I mean, I just don't even have like... (laughs) I don't have the storage space in my brain to even consider doing that. That's not even the right word. I can't even come up with the right word. No, I thought that was perfect. If I were to build a computer when I was a kid or in high school, it would literally be out of a cardboard box with a Sharpie, like drawing a screen on it. And I'd be like, I built a computer. (laughs) I'd make my parents look at it. Yes. The whole thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. He built working computers and sold them to neighbors. Amazing. So he knew he wanted to start his own business one day, but his parents really wanted him to go to college. So his mom had him in China and they left his dad there to escape. I don't know the whole story, but she took him and went to Australia to build a different life, married a man there, and they all decided there'd be more opportunity for Lynn in the United States. So they left Australia, mom, new husband, and little Lynn came to America, specifically Salt Lake City. There just must be something in the water. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they wanted him to go to college, even though he just wanted to make money and start a business. He selects Babson College, which is outside of Boston, because it has this very strong entrepreneur studies program, and it offers $2,000 to any of the students enrolled in the entrepreneurship program. He moves into a dorm dedicated to entrepreneurship students. You know, they have dorms by like major 
and like pre-med students live here. I believe you. Yes. Yeah. So it was like that. So the whole building was um, kids studying entrepreneurship and legend has it Lynn and all these other students would gather in the common space every Thursday night to watch The Apprentice, (gasps) which is like exactly what you imagine kids like him doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And he really felt like he'd found his people. He wasted no time. He took that $2,000 and he invested in his first business. This is clearly a kid who knows what he wants, who knows how to build computers. He's very smart. And he guesses what his first $2,000 investment business might have been Melissa. So it would have to be in the 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this was like maybe 06, 07-ish. Ish. Let's say Uber. Yeah, that's a great guess. And your mind went to a logical next step. Strangely, he rented a mall kiosk selling kitten posters with inspirational quotes. I'm like, now that's a page from Rebecca's book. Wait, what that's what thinking? he invested in? <laughs> that's what he invested in. <laughs> It's I really had weird. such high hopes for him. He's no oh, better wait. than us with our cardboard boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, exactly. He's going to get a second chance. This business did not succeed. Shocking. Um, but Lynn was not discouraged. He began studying trends in the marketplace more closely and found out kitten posters, they're out. <laughs> so yesterday, <laughs> custom ringtones were the future. Yes. <laughs> now, Melissa, be honest. Did you ever buy a ringtone? What Absolutely. was it? I bought one. Do you one, remember? Uh-huh. I, I, my favorite band was Lifehouse. And so I'm sure I okay. had like hanging by a moment or something. That was like a big yeah. deal. And I could not wait to buy one. It was a huge deal. We spent a lot of money and time on those. Mm-hmm. Those were like, those were how you showed your personality. Absolutely. I had waterfalls. Oh, I love that. And that is a pretty cool sound to hear. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So Lynn explored this idea and learned all you had to do to start this business was create ads that targeted customers to buy the ads. Then you made money on each successful purchase of a ringtone. The only overhead you needed because his $2,000 was lost, right? Was web hosting fees. He's like, I'll just build a website. Sure. That's less than $100. And he had coding friends, right? So they could do that. And then you get people through SEO, search Mm -hmm. engine optimization, to come to the site. And then you have those ads. So he and his friends go into business. They called themselves their company, Tattoo Inc., just one O. And he, I'm guessing tattoo with two O's was taken. Yeah. He partners with two friends, their twin brothers, Lee and Lucas Brown. And if you're wondering who these moguls are, they're the three gentlemen Guys, behind okay. you who literally look like little boys in suits, mm-hmm. but this is them in college, like wearing suits, being businessy. Yeah. So the three of them come up with a UFC fighting website because it's something they were all into and it was popular at the time. So inevitably people found the website, clicked on the ads, purchased the ringtones. And within a few short months, they made $10,000. Whoa. So now they had enough capital to advertise on other people's websites. Cause that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Higher traffic sites, 2006, any guesses where they advertised what website? TMZ. Paris Hilton. MySpace. Paris Hilton. Oh, that would make the most sense. Yes. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. g- great guesses though. So after a few months of advertising on MySpace, guess how much money they cleared? Hint. It's in the six figures, Melissa. Ringtones? Um, <laughs> yes. Let's say, I'm going to say 1 million because I just can't deal with it Almost. being more than that. Oh, okay. It was $700,000. Wait, I, so I thought one million figures. was... It's okay. <laughs> I thought one million was six figures. We are not mathematicians. <laughs> we are podcasters. Nor and am I a millionaire. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Seven figures is what we're, we're got aiming it, for. Got it. Got it. One criminality mug at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so Lynn was 20 when his bank account reached $700,000. He leases a Lexus. He moves out of the dorm because his friend said those are for peasants. We're renting a luxury apartment downtown. He had champagne parties and invited girls over and his life became something he never thought he could have at this point in life. This is all while they're still in college. A Silicon Valley tech company hears about them because they're disrupting the scene so much. These three kids in their dorm and their apartment is generating all this revenue. So this guy calls up and he's like, hey, you guys are doing great, but you're leaving money on the table. Like we can help you make more. This company was called Mobile Messaging and they're like, let us help you. We have funding and deals with phone companies. You guys are the geniuses at getting conversions through all this SEO. Right. I say this like I entirely know what I'm talking about. I mean, but it leave with confidence. Okay. It gets more complicated, but basically 
mobile message is like, we're going to front you the money so you can flood the market with ads. We'll take a cut of every transaction. You're still going to make more. They sent them a deal sheet and Lynn later admits they did not read it. They signed it. They were so excited. Yeah. So at this point, they're just paying 50 cents per customer and it's making them $100. In the first year alone, they made $10 million and it was all mostly legal. So (laughs) I will tell you about the sketchy parts after a quick break from this week's sponsor. Our show has been around for more than three years now, which is really something to celebrate. But when I think back over all of our episodes, one that really sticks in my mind, of course, is the one about the bling ring. There were literally teenagers breaking into the homes of celebrities and stealing thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of items. There is just something so scary about someone being in your home without your knowledge, even beyond just having your things taken. And that's why when it comes to home security, I only trust my home to Simply Safe. Simply Safe isn't just some old fly-by-night security system. It was actually named the best home security systems 2024 by the US News and World Report. On top of that, Newsweek named it best customer service and home security, which is really huge because if my house or the people that are in it are in jeopardy, I want to know that I'm speaking with people who are there to help me. We've had Simply Safe in my house for several years now, and Rebecca got her system last year, and there's a lot of comfort in knowing that I have indoor and outdoor cameras all around the house. And if you aren't sure whether it's something you'd actually use, you should definitely give it a try. There are no contracts and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminality. That's simplysafe.com/criminality. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, $10 million. That's where we left off. And mostly legal is good, but completely legal is preferred. In 2008, (laughs) Washington state attorney sues Tattoo on behalf of the state's constituents, alleging that it was easy to sign up for promotions they were running, like My Love Crush, L-U-V, but almost impossible to cancel. Mm. So basically, they were doing ads that were like, Someone in Seattle has a crush on you. Let's personalize it. Someone in Orlando area has a crush on you. Click here and find out who. And people would inevitably click because it was early days, right? And like, you're like, who, you know? And then unknowingly, they signed up for monthly subscriptions with confusing (gasps) language. And they never delivered on the promise, meaning there was no love interest. Shocker. And this was happening over and over to the point where So many people were complaining that it was brought to Better Business Bureau, which led to the state attorney general to this lawsuit. So Lynn and his in-house counsel, because that's how rich they are. That's crazy. Talk to their lawyers. I know. And their lawyers weren't just like other recent, you know, these guys were still in college. These weren't just recent law school grads. These were guys with clients like Bank of America and Carnegie Mellon Trust. They were like, don't worry about this. We're going to walk away with fees. And fines. And it was true. They paid $21,000 and they walked off scot-free. So Tattoo Inc. at this point is making more money than they even need. These guys are in their early 20s and they are acting like rock stars. They've got sex workers, exotic cars, parties in Vegas where they gift sugar babies, their words, with designer handbags. So they like help all these girls out to come to these parties and take pictures. They give them handbags. I'm sure other stuff happened. I just... Sometimes I do think if I came back in another life, I would want to be a sugar baby. I wish I knew it was a thing. I actually, I actually got an opportunity to be a sugar baby. Shut up. No, I'm not even kidding. I was at Bloomingdale's. I'm a freshman in New York city. I don't know if I should share this. My mom might listen. And I was just like perusing things. And this guy was like, what do you like? And I'm like, what? And he was like, I'll buy you whatever you want. And it was like this weird moment and my spidey senses went up and I I got out of there. But that was like at the cosmetic counter of like Estee Lauder. In retrospect, 
It's like Rebecca. Come on. I mean, one afternoon in a Bloomingdale's a good <laughs> Just one great day. Anyway. <laughs> I love be young. that. Thank you. <laughs> so where was I? We might edit that. We'll decide. TBD. So it's in Las Vegas, but not at a sugar baby party that Lynn meets Kelly. Now, we know Lynn is very successful at this point, but Kelly herself is no slouch, not a sugar baby. She was selling life insurance during college, and she made so much it didn't even make sense for her to stay in. So she dropped out. Whoa! I know. She took all that money and started investing in real estate development, and she was living in L.A., running a food and beverage operation for a boutique hotel, like killing it, and doesn't yeah. come from money. Like Lynn, she was a Chinese immigrant, small family. And when she met Lynn, they really hit it off because they shared that in common. They both wanted to be really successful. But Kelly played it cool. She was like, you know, just kind of kept it at arm's length. Kept it cute. Yes. And then Lynn asked for her number and she said something that is very intriguing for 2009. I mean, less so today. But she said, find me online. Oh, risky in 2009 challenging too, right? Like now much easier. I'm like, okay, Kelly, she's got some game. Mm -hmm. So Lynn accepts this challenge, finds her, sees that she lives in LA. He concocts a reason to go have business in LA and he finds her. He hears that she loves the Mondrian hotel, which is also a Vanderpump rules favorite to this day and takes her to dinner there. She wants to take it slow, but they do end up dating and then it gets pretty serious pretty quickly and they move in together. She relocates from LA, kind of drops what she's doing because his life Mm. and business is over there. They go to Boston. They rent a $12,000 a month apartment in the Ritz-Carlton. And this is like 10 plus years ago, $12,000. And they live a really lavish lifestyle. They spend the night at the Tiffany Suite at the St. Regis Hotel in New York, which I didn't even know was a thing. No. He proposes. Oh, I, I didn't get that far in There's my sugar daddy whole, game to yeah, find out about the Tiffany Suite. Got to get out of the mall next time. <laughs> I was in the flagship Bloomingdale's. Okay, let's like, let's not make this <laughs> a Jersey respect. tale. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he proposes in the back of a private plane on their way back from Paris. They were young, they were in love, and they were so rich. Or so Kelly thought. The thing is... More lawsuits had popped up since that first one in Washington state. And something else happened at the same time. In the years since he started his company, things changed in the industry. So phone carriers enacted more stringent rules on subscription services. Now you had to double verify opting in. We've all, that's so commonplace now. And the disclaimer fine print had to be easy to understand and in a font you could read. So it was no longer the Wild West and Tattoo Inc. was still operating like it was. And their company was getting a really bad reputation. An article I read in Esquire that did a very thorough piece, big part of my research came from this article, was quoted and said, the CEO of Zynga, who made the game Farmville, yeah. singled out yeah, singled out Tattoo for its misleading advertisements. Another tech crunch article referred to tattoo as the absolute scum of the earth Ooh. so like their their competitors and peers in the industry are like these guys are are no good so basically what comes out is what they'd been doing was called mobile cramming and it's now illegal and i pulled this definition straight from wikipedia because i don't know how to describe it in any other terms Cramming is a form of fraud in which small charges are added to a bill by a third party without the subscriber's consent, approval, authorization, or disclosure. We've probably all encountered this. And these could be disguised as a tax, a common fee, or a bogus service, and could be several dollars or even just a few cents. But now, thanks to the changes in legal standards, which offered customers more protection, customers could now see these in their billing, and they could opt out and get reimbursed if they chose to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So because of this, everyone's pulling out of these things and they're losing money left and right. And they don't have any other method of acquiring a customer except for this illegal way. Right. So Lynn is now close to bankruptcy. He has less than 150,000 in the bank, which honestly seems fine to me. Yeah. Seems like a healthy (laughs) nest egg. Yeah. But compared to what was there before, not a lot. And it was definitely less than he told Kelly they had because they were about to put an offer on a $2 million condo, but he knew there is no way they would be able to get financing for this. So he lies to her and says, Hey, listen, this small little frivolous inconsequential lawsuits popped up. I don't think it's going to look good for us to make a big purchase until this blows over. 
just let's sit tight. She's like, that's totally fine. And Lynn thinks, maybe I'm off the hook. Then Kelly says, why don't we move back to LA instead, actually? Because Kelly had a lot of plans and ideas, most of which centered around the entertainment industry. She really wanted to produce. And it just made sense for her to be in LA, not Boston. So now Lynn is panicked because it's bottom time to switch the plan. But he also is like, I don't know how I'm going to pull off living the lifestyle in LA that she thinks we're going to live. So instead of coming clean, throwing in the towel or starting over with a new idea, Melissa, he doubles down. I know we all want him to make a different choice and he doesn't. He thinks about who he knows and who he's met along the way and who could help him. And he remembers a guy, a competitor of mobile messaging And he calls this guy because that guy has something Lynn wanted, something Jen Shaw also wanted, something Jen Shaw got, phone numbers. Yeah. This guy Lynn called owned a company that activates new cell phones. So you know when you get a new phone and you can't just turn it on, you have to bring it somewhere and to turn it on. This guy does that. So he has access to millions of phone numbers and Lynn just basically wants to steal them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But- Lynn has learned a lot since his kitty poster days. He wasn't just going to call these numbers and sell bogus services like Jen Shaw. No, he was going to bypass the whole tech subscription process and just enroll these numbers directly into a service for nominal amounts like $10. He figured some people would notice, some people wouldn't. But with every person he lost, he would just enroll two more. Yeah. The worst part, he tells this guy straight up about the scam and why he wants the numbers. And the guy's like, cool, let's do it. They team up, call an old programming buddy who's able to tweak existing software to do this. And voila, Lynn is back in business. Melissa, the millions start coming in again like that. Can you even imagine like being down on your luck financially? And like, you know, like my instinct is like, I guess I'm going to have to go like work retail. I guess I'm going to have to get on the other side of the counter. counter. (laughs) I'm going to babysit on weekends. Like just the idea that you could like pivot in this way with Mm. another scheme. It's almost diabolical. Yeah. Well, I just, I'm very risk conscious. So this is like conscious Melissa. I would Wait. say adverse. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, conscious is some people, was, you are I, a little further on the. <laughs> I was having to think of the word and not confuse it with conscience. And so when you said that, I was like, what did I say? No, no, yeah, no. I'm I risk adverse. Think, Incredibly yes. risk adverse. Yeah. So the idea of like having this luck and it working out on this other thing, the last thing I'm going to do is risk, <sighs> risk this and start a whole other thing. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, I guess when you get a taste of the finer things in life, it's very hard to give up. Wouldn't know. I left all my dreams at Bloomingdale's that day. (laughs) So it's working. Lynn and Kelly get married. They have a wedding in Malibu. They buy the 6,000 square foot home in Beverly Hills for $3 million. She is none the wiser and all is well, but Lynn is stressed. I mean, that's the price that comes with, right? Like, yes, you get all the money, but not only does he know he's doing something illegal, he has to do illegal stuff to cover it up because there's ways that this could be detected and his team knows that. So basically their real work now is covering up the fraudulent acts by committing more fraudulent acts, one of which is creating fake IP addresses. There were others listed, but I literally don't understand what they were. I can kind of understand a fake IP address. Kind of. But that's so wild to me because you've got somebody that's so smart and can do anything. And then to take this route is just wild. We see this all the time with scammers and catfishers, like the intelligence and the work it takes. It's like if applied in a positive direction of something above board, like you like to think they'd be as successful. But honestly, it's usually the scamming that makes the real money faster, you know, and some people just don't hear this part. (laughs) I know. Edit, edit, edit. (laughs) So honestly, scamming's the way to go. (laughs) Did I just say that Gabe's like, good takeaway, mom. (laughs) Lynn was sending Kelly on trips all over the world so he could work in peace. He was so afraid of her looking over his shoulder and finding out what was going on because she's not an idiot. Right. He was also still entertaining these sugar babies. Like these girls that were also immigrants would come to him and be like, could you help me pay my rent? And he would because he felt kind of bad for them. It was, it's strange. Later, Kelly would be asked by the FTC 
if she ever saw bank statements. And she said, no, but I didn't have to. She started finding handwritten thank you notes from brands like Rolex, personally thanking Lynn for the many purchases and that he hoped his girlfriends <gasps> liked their new watches. And Kelly had a lot of nice jewelry at this point, but she did not have a Rolex. First red flag. This strain between Kelly and Lynn grew and the couple separated. They sold this massive house. They each got a smaller condo in LA and they started divorce proceedings. It was during this estrangement that the FTC served an injunction to Lynn's business, which I'm sure you know what an injunction is, but it means you have to stop doing what you're doing while we investigate because we think this is not kosher. Um, Melissa, do you think Lynn stopped? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that wispy little yes. That's a no. Okay. And do you want to know who he called for help this time? I do. Who? And guesses? Power Ranger. Oh, Ghostbusters. (laughs) (laughs) Or mom. Okay. (laughs) Haven't mentioned mom in a minute since we heard about her leaving China, then Australia to give Lynn a better life. You know why? Because Lynn hadn't heard from her in a minute because he stopped talking to her when he got really rich and successful because she questioned him. She worried about his lifestyle. She thought it was a little over the top and lavish and she just was concerned about him and Lynn had no time for people questioning him. So he had all but like cut off his mother. Calls her for help though and for money. Meanwhile, Jane had come down with bladder cancer. So poor Jane Meow is on the phone and mortgages her home, clears her retirement fund to help Lynn Uh, fight the FTC. That's like Jen Shaw all over again. That's what I'm saying. There is something in the water. Literally, the mom lives in Salt Lake City. This is so abhorrent to me. It's the worst of the worst. Totally. Like, scam all you want. But when you bring your mom into it, Gabe, are you listening? That is where (laughs) we draw the line. (laughs) So she didn't even know what the FTC was. Like, that is like an entity her legal, hardworking person had never encountered, right? All I know is the FTC won't let me be, so y'all just let me... (laughs) Wait. <laughs> Wait, what is that lyric? You got it. So the FTC You're won't so let close. me be so dun 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 because it feels so empty without me. This looks like go. a good job for me. Yeah, and this is where we're gonna edit in the. That was really well done. Thank really you well so done. much. I think we need to like fade that out at the end of this episode. But his fight was pointless. He burned through the cash she gave him so fast he didn't even stand a chance. So he settles with the FTC. So it was all for nothing. But the FTC refers the case to the IRS and the FBI, and it was game over for Lynn. On a flight home from Cabo, I guess he needed a vacation from all the stress. He was arrested, handcuffed. And at this point, it's 2014. Lynn had to surrender his home in West Hollywood, the, the new condo, Kelly's home in West Hollywood, the three investment properties they shared, any gifts Kelly had received from him, 10 carat engagement ring, yellow diamond, Six carat diamond earrings, all of it had to go. It was seized by the government. His mother, Jane, had to submit all her financial documentation to prove that none of her money had come from Lynn's profits. So it's actually really good that over all these years, he was not supporting her. Right. She would have been on the hook for that money. In total, the government seized 14 bank accounts, four luxury vehicles. Through all of this, Lynn insists Kelly didn't know a thing about Tattoo Inc. being a scam. As a way to get a better deal for himself, he gave up his partners right quick and the higher up guys in partnering companies to reduce his sentence. All in, this trial took seven years and he was just sentenced last year. I know. It was a big, the the investigation into all these connecting parties. There are so many more people involved in the story than Lin Miao, but I couldn't name all of them. It was like, it's too tangential, but um, he was, how about we guess? I've told you this has gone down as the biggest financial scam. I think they made $50 million or at least that's what the company was valued at at one point. Right. Um, what do you think the sentence might've been? For him, um, 10 years. 18 months. What? I think it's because he cooperated and gave up so many people that, and he had a good lawyer. He got 18 months. He's still there. This just happened last year. He also was ordered to pay back his mom. He's only given her 10000 of the 100000 she gave him. Oh, my gosh. He's supposed to be responsible for restitution, but experts say it's likely he never will be able no. to do that. So that is the story of Lin Miao, but the story isn't over for Kelly. It seems like she's really picked herself up 
dusted herself off pretty quickly because when we meet her, she's like in a very nice yeah. dwelling place. And that's because of her entrepreneurial spirit and ambitions, which she's channeled in much more above board appropriate ways. So since leaving Lynn, Kelly has been more than busy starting over, finding new love, which we're going to hear about and refocusing on her career. She capitalized on this bling empire popularity like they all have and launched a vegan hot sauce company. That's our third clue called Jiang, which is based on her mom's recipes from a certain region um, of China. And I don't know if you remember her and her mom's relationship on on the show, but it was like a very typical mother daughter relationship. Like, okay tough, you know, Mm -hmm. like close, but sometimes you don't want your mom's input, but they're very close. So you ask for it, but then you don't want it when it's not what you want to hear. But the way they always resolved and bonded and got their kind of groove back was in the kitchen cooking together. So they came out with this um, hot sauce together. Oh, nice. And it actually looks really good. It says it's vegan. And I want to know if normal hot sauce isn't vegan, but I guess there could be like animal fat in it or something. I, I don't know. I don't know. It comes in mild, OG spicy and extra spicy. My family likes hot sauce. I might try it. Um, so this was kind of a lifestyle business move in the influencer space. But I mentioned she really wanted to produce. And she had this background in sales. Like it seems like that would be something she's really good at. And she started a production company called Wet Paws Media. What I did not realize that maybe everybody else know is that Kelly herself is a co-creator and producer of Bling Empire. No, no idea. I know. That's why, that's what made me actually decide to tell the story Mm -hmm. is that she has a say in this show coming into existence. And currently she's in a lawsuit about it. (gasps) So the show is produced by Jeff Jenkins productions. And if that sounds familiar, it's because they made, um, keeping up with the Kardashians. He's a big Titan giant in the producing industry. Kelly and him teamed up to, she pitched him the idea of Bling Empire. She had the friends, she had the access. This was entirely her idea. And they had an agreement that she would be executive producer. I went back and the show does list her as a producer on certain Mm. episodes, which I was just like, how did I miss that? But she alleges the show was entirely her idea. And um, the quote is in court documents that she's entitled to an episodic fee of 25%. 100% of Jenkins executive producer fee and a 5% annual increase. So basically what she claims happens in the lawsuit is that after months of developing it together, Jeff took the idea and sold it without her to Netflix. Whoa. And kind of just like pacified her with this episode producer role. Right. And so she's been fighting that. Um, she did go on to star in seasons two and three, but the lawsuit happened towards the end of season three. So we're going to have to keep our eye on this. Neither of them have publicly commented on it. I want to know, I want to know what happens. I know the show is very popular. I haven't enjoyed the latter seasons as much as I liked the first, but now I'm, I'm pretty invested in knowing what happens. So that's, what's going on with Bling Empire from a lawsuit production standpoint, had no idea, but I do want to end by saying she is really happy in love and I'm thrilled that the guy she met and is with is not a model actor. He's not a high tech businessman. He's a police officer from San Francisco. Oh, wow. That she met, I know, very unexpected, really cute. His name is William Ma. The cast of Bling Empire was up in San Francisco at like a um, anti Asian American hate event okay. mm. appearing, and he was patrolling the event, like literally on foot, making sure everything was good. And right. Kane was like, That guy's so cute, Kelly. You should talk to him like middle school style yeah, yeah. and they did and they dated and they fell in love. And last week they had a baby girl really? together. Yes. I don't Aww. know her name yet. When I started this story, I knew she was pregnant with his baby, but then I just checked to see if the baby was born and the baby was born a week ago. Aww. And he's, she kept him very secret. I think she really wants this to be a forever thing. And, sure. um, didn't post him on social media until like they're close to their baby shower. But he's quoted in People Magazine saying, we share the same passion for what we do, which has a lot to giving back to the AAPI community and fighting against hate crimes. And I just think like, what a great and beautiful thing to share. And I just so hope this is, you know, a real and healthy thing. He seems great on paper. TBD. Right. See, he's given us no reason to doubt him yet. Sure. Um, And yeah, she's producing other TV shows. She's got things in the work on major networks 
in um, with really big names. So I think she's going to do really great things and she doesn't need these guys to, to help her. She's got it on her own. And that's the story of Kelly, my lie bling empire and her ex-husband. <laughs> I love it. I truly learned everything today. I did not know really any of that. I watched the first season, a couple episodes of the second, and for whatever yeah. reason, I couldn't get into it. And that's, that's been it. So it's been like over a year since I've watched any of it. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't really remember any of that. So that jogged my memory, but wild, wild. I know. And she I definitely know. doesn't seem materialistic. I never got that from her. Mm-mm. So even her being with this incredibly rich guy, like didn't necessarily make the most sense to me. Like her being with a police officer makes right. much more sense because she just, yeah, I mean, she, it doesn't, it doesn't, but yeah, she seems to have that very salt of the earth type yes. uh, personality. And I don't mm-hmm. think it was Lynn's money that attracted her. Um, right. I'm sure it was fun, but I think it was their shared upbringing and they had right. so much in common their story and they seem to want the same things they just had very different ways of going about it and yeah I think when she realized that she was very much uh disinterested and you know yeah over it and I'm just so glad she didn't know and that she wasn't implicated she did have to testify they investigated her thoroughly and they don't believe she knew anything and I am I'm glad he also had the respect to like not bring her in on it right um looking at you Joe Judice. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's, that's pretty low too. bringing your mom or your significant other into it, um, with them unknowingly terrible. So yeah, so that was a good one. And, uh, I didn't know a lot of it. Certainly not about the Netflix lawsuit. Fascinating. No, I think that's a really easy thing to happen. Like you and I in the entertainment industry, I think those like handshake deals and you Mm -hmm. think you're moving along with someone in the way that you both are on the same page. And then the more powerful person can kind of cut you out of it. And it's, Um, I hope she wins. I hope she's successful. Agree. So that is that, but I know I bullied you. I just, oh, speaking of bullying, we Mm -hmm. got so many responses about like a better way to say bullying. Uh I think the word I was looking for was just peer pressure. It exists already. That's Mm -hmm. like what we're talking about, right? Peer pressure. Okay. So that's that, but I'm hoping I can peer pressure you into telling me about a new show to watch. Listen, if there's one thing I learned about D.A.R.E., um, drug abuse <laughs> resistance education. I really can't be peer pressured. So I'm going to willingly tell you this. Okay. Um, my three clues are Amazon Prime, sort of, <laughs> James Marsden, and reality TV. Any Why guesses? the sort of? Well, because I think it actually is on Freeview or Free. Oh, oh, or oh okay. But you can also watch it on Prime. Um, I'm cheating, but it's jury duty. It's and jury you did duty. tell me this in between <laughs> episodes. And I so appreciated you telling me in advance because I really enjoyed it. It's good. Tell the people about it. It's so fun. So I'm a big OG fan of the Joe Schmo show. And that was like a show out years ago where one guy is chosen to be on this reality show, but everyone else is actors. So he doesn't realize it. Such a good concept. It is. But the Joe Schmo show kind of made him look more like a a schmo, like a schmuck. And so he was kind of the butt of the jokes where Mm. I think jury duty gets it right is that the whole situation is ludicrous and the guy's so sweet, so earnest, and you're just cheering for him. So it's a guy who I found out the other day, there was like an ad in the newspaper and he does like odd jobs and was out of work or I don't know, something like that on Craigslist to apply to be on a jury that was going to be televised. So he like went into it knowing it was all going to be filmed and all of that. Right. And everyone else is there. Everyone else there is an actor, including James Marsden, who's actually an actor. So this guy, Ronald. That is the piece de resistance to me, is putting an actor in it. It is. So then you like, yes, playing himself, like an elevated version of himself. And that was so smart. And I totally Mm -hmm. agree. That was like key. So he didn't figure out like, this is all actors because there is an actor here and it's in LA or whatever, but it's yeah. so good. So sweet. They do. If you like Joe Schmo, you'll like this. And it's a very good updated version, I think. And it's just fun. It's an easy watch. And it's, uh, I even like how they edit it where they don't like take people out of character, which is what they did on Joe Schmo. So you'd hear them like talking like, Oh my gosh, yes. I can't believe we almost got it. He almost figured it out. They are in character 
every time you see them. It's just fun. It's a it's a fun watch. And if you're looking for something fun, check out Jury Duty. I co-sign. It's okay. it was just what I wanted. I think it's so well done. Sometimes I can't believe he doesn't know. But in what world would you think? Right. And you the, know what I the mean? genius of it is them saying, like, we're doing this documentary about the jury duty process. So right. that explains all the cameras that totally. explains producers asking questions like you would on a reality show. Mm-hmm. Like, what'd you think of the, this? And yeah, it's so good. And the actors are such good actors. They seem like regular weirdo yeah. people that you would find at jury duty. You know who the best actor on there is to me? Uh, the bailiff. There's so many good she's ones. She's so good. Oh, she's, she's so good. She just knows her part. She does it. She rolls with it. And she's just like, she nails it every time. Like I the fully food ordering shenanigans. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's so real. It's so perfect. Yeah. But yeah. I love that he's not the butt of the joke. It really is just like, he's so sweet. This whole thing with the bug's life. Remember, I won't give that away, but like showing this guy the bug's life and how quirky people can I didn't, be loved and- it's so sweet. I didn't finish. Okay. Well, that, so I don't know a, if I've seen A Bug's Life yet. But the yeah. best, I love when he's like talking about his movies and he keeps to James Marsden and oh, he yeah. keeps remembering like other things and like just having, also just watching a regular person interact with a celebrity mm-hmm. in this strange scenario. It's so, and he is the perfect like average guy. Like absolutely. The every man, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he really, they pick the perfect person. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Check it out. Super fun one. Rebecca, well, what about you? Okay, I'm keeping it on theme. So okay. we've got Netflix, mm-hmm. Meat. <gasps> I know what it is. Go. Beef. Yeah, Ali Wong. Okay. <laughs> um, have you started it? I haven't, but I wanted to start it. Um, yeah, it's very things. good. I'm only three um, episodes in, so I'm kind of new. You know, I'm looking at the write-up on it, like I wanted to see what the blurb was, and the genre says comedy, drama, psychological drama, thriller, tragic comedy, which seems at odds, but that is really helpful because I was having a hard time figuring out how to describe it category-wise. Sure. Like, it is all of those things. Like, it is funny, it is dark, but not. it's not like a dark crime show. It's right. really funny and bizarre. So, the two main characters played by um, Ali Wong and Steven Yun have this road rage incident in the first episode. They basically mm-hmm. chase each other and then they figure out who the other is and they kind of start taunting each other. And their whole relationship builds on this like hatred okay. of each other and they're not who the other think. And they're both going through their very own separate weird stories that are unfolding. And I, sense that they're going to like merge and overlap and start participating in things together but I haven't gotten there yet but it is so weird and dark Ali Wong is incredible she's um she plays like an artist sculptor who has a store who's trying to sell her business her husband is the son of this very esteemed painter or artist it's very like bougie LA scene and then Stephen Yoon's character is much more like of a working class family's motel business had burned down. So he's like picking up odd jobs and kind of culture clashing. And, um, it's weird and good. And I recommend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that it gets darker and and I don't know. I have too. Okay. So that's, so my friend that recommended it was like, it's really good. It gets really dark. And I'm like, I can handle that. And we're not there yet, but there's, there's hints of the dark early, early on, but they are, um, tempered by like a lot of playfulness yeah but I think you know there's some scenes that you're like this is gonna get weird oh good (laughs) but I'm here for it yeah I want to watch um and I finished shrinking which was amazing I'm so happy you liked it as much as I did I adored it it was perfect I'm a total it's a perfect show yeah I'm a total cougar town head and so it's by the same people and it's very much the same it invokes the same emotion from me as cougar wow I laugh and I feel things and the music's killer the entire time like it, it just it is perfect mm-hmm. it's a perfect show and I'm surprised about it being the same creators Cougar Town because that was never a show that like you know caught my eye to watch Nobody's. but you're making me rethink it I know 
It's really good. Is it like it's a all sleeper? friendship and stuff. Well, they like realize they made fun of it all the time themselves, like on the screen, like next week, maybe our name won't be Cougar Town. <laughs> they realize like what a terrible idea it was because originally she was like dating a bunch of different people. Yeah, you know? that's what I thought it was. But that's never what it after like three episodes, that's not really what it is. Okay. It's all about like their friendships and stuff. And they all live like okay. on a cul-de-sac, cul-de-sac crew. So that's, that's that. So if you ever get bored, you can switch over to that. Yeah. Really well, good. I really like Courtney Cox. She's great. Um, shrinking is the best. Yeah. Just f- fell in love again with Harrison Ford. The whole cast. Everyone's great. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Great recommendation. Good. Well, one more thing before we go. Sure. Tell me what we're going to talk about next episode. Okay. Well, I kind of gave you- Don't tell me. I didn't tell me. Yeah. I gave you like three kind of stories I was looking at, like a little, a few details to see what you thought I should do this week because I was having a hard time. So I went with the one that you you seem to gravitate towards. Okay. um, But you don't know what it is. You will, but maybe. We'll see. Okay. Okay. MTV. Jury duty. No. (laughs) (laughs) Beef. Um, MTV, mm-hmm. music, marriage. Oh, wow. That could be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It really could. Um, okay. Rebecca's managed to guess it. Um, not managed to, but you know what I mean? You no, guess. that works. That's We're all surprised. I don't even know how to edit this episode now. I've never had to delete one of Rebecca's guesses. I'm just uh, no, I'm serious. It's like this from the girl who would have had a kitten poster contest, <laughs> not contest, kiosk. Hang in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Oh, I can't wait. I feel like that is overdue. Yeah. I'm excited. It'll I don't even good. know what it actually is. Yeah. I forgot. I knew it forgot and then it came up again this week oh, and I was like that's the best yes that's the exactly. best I have no idea what I'm doing so I have to get to work figuring that out but best of luck your turn to start the real work Yay. I am ready to uh to move on and um good well we'll do this again in two weeks thank you so much to everybody for listening you can follow us on Instagram at criminality show Twitter why not at criminality show TikTok I'm doing terrible there I realize I've it's not forgotten just you. to do anything. Yeah, Me too. But oh, keeping up with socials really killer. hard, guys. Um, the worst you can part. email us, criminalityshow mm. at gmail.com. Pretty good at replying to emails. Um, and most importantly, if you enjoy this podcast, this episode, leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. And Melissa, you can always be found on Tuesdays doing Moms and Mysteries, your other podcast every week. And Rebecca, you can find Rebecca at RebeccaSebastian.com where she's doing all the things and continues to do all the things and excels at all the things. (laughs) And that's where to find her. Yeah, I'm best at mall kiosks. Um, So until (laughs) then, we will leave on that note. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. So the FTC won't let me be so dun 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 dun. Because it feels so empty without me. This looks like a Japanese.